sex with all those men cars. Enforce my friends is violence, the supreme authority from which all other authority is derived. And you know, there is something very important we need to do as soon as possible. Don't you blame the movies? Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos for creative. Hello and welcome. This is the Parents Guide podcast where we analyze movies with a focus on sex and violence. And today, well, we're doing something different. Um, we're not talking about the 90s today. This is a bonus special episode because the Oscars are ahead. The Academy Awards will happen uh, in a couple of days when this will be released. And um, I've invited, uh, well, my... Hmm, I know I have to be careful with with how I introduce you by now uh, because I have I've noticed in the past if I if I tell that an episode was really special or really good that some people are kind of jealous um, that, that I haven't highlighted them. So let's just say um, frequent collaborator, perhaps my most frequent collaborator, are Gordon McNulty. Hello, hello. Well, uh, excited to be back talking about uh, some of this year's Oscar race relative to your whole topic. This should be an interesting one. I've, I've spend a lot of time thinking about uh what we're going to be talking about today so uh, excited to be here thank you for having me on yeah well um as, as i told you i don't know when it was a while ago uh, i had this idea to do this episode because i thought well that's really a nice chance to do something different uh for once and of course who else would i ask to talk about the oscars and of course who else would be willing to uh or or would watch all the movies anyway <laughs> yeah the oscars. Um, i will say up top uh I haven't yet done a full, I still have a, a handful I need to watch by the ceremony because we're recording like a week or so in advance. Yeah. So there's about nine-ish movies uh, on this list that I have not yet seen. So yeah. they won't be factoring into the conversation for me, but I think we, we cross over enough where like I've seen the ones you haven't and you've seen the ones I haven't. I don't think there okay. should be much overlap in terms of things that neither of us have seen. I think I have nine or ten left either um, or as well. And I, again, this shouldn't be a problem. And I yeah. I also, I don't expect the movies that are missing to, that they would have been included in this discussion anyway. Because yeah. you know, I never know, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I have three documentaries and an animated and then a handful of others. But at least with those four, I can't imagine a ton of at least sexuality. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, one of the documentaries I, I know is on a, topic that might have come up in a more violent uh conversation so who knows but uh as it is i i think the things that we have seen there should be more than enough conversation to talk about yeah i'm sure and again we talk about so many movies and we we try uh we we agreed um before we before we started recording to not talk about every movie uh because it would take forever to discuss every sexual or violent aspect of every movie nominated for an Oscar this year, um, which would be interesting too. But I mean, I, I don't even sure anyone would want to listen to, I don't know, six hours of discussion uh, that we yeah. would So um, uh, you suggested that we uh, focus on five for each category. Um, we haven't discussed which ones we picked, so there might be some overlap, which is okay, because I think we still have enough to talk about. Um, <laughs> and I also oh, yeah. can imagine that we will uh, mention some of the other movies that we haven't picked uh, anyway, Maybe not in, in great detail, but, um, well, we try to cover as much sex and violence as these uh, Oscars offers offer. Which is, I, I found in, like, uh, in, in prepping my list, 
I ended up looking a lot at the IMDb parents guides to like yes. jog my memory because a lot of these are movies that I haven't seen in months and I wasn't going to rewatch them just because of time crunch of like that's a lot of movies and a lot of movies I, I don't really feel like rewatching. Um, not a whole lot of things from like some of my lists, some of my entries have some stretches even in just a five because I wanted to limit yes. myself to only one entry per movie across both lists. So like I wouldn't have a movie show up on both lists or show up twice on the same list or whatever to have like a wider sort of spread of things to discuss. And I felt kind of limited in terms of like big moments, memorable moments to talk about, especially on the side of sexuality uh, with a few notable exceptions. Um, But I'm interested to see where both of us like where we line up and where maybe i i imagine there's a lot of stuff that i've just forgotten about uh in in the months since some of these so this will be a fun way to jog memory as well but yeah not not the most sexually uh uh active set of movies if that makes sense like yeah i i feel the same i also i i I found it harder to come up with five for sexuality although i'm i don't know i'm somewhat happy with what i what i've picked I mean, and I have more for violence. There's definitely more violence in these movies than sexuality. But also, apart from one movie, I would say violence doesn't play a big part in most of the films that are nominated this year as well. I I would say there's a solid two. There were two that I could have made a whole list of 10 using just entries from those two movies. Uh, but one of them is like nominated in one category. Uh, yeah. So I, you can probably imagine which one that is, but... I'm not yeah. sure. We, so we, we don't know. Okay. And we'll see. It makes it more exciting, exciting that we don't know what we want to talk about. Um, I hope that's interesting to listen to as well. Okay. Then I would say uh, we, we skip the usual introductory parts because they don't really make sense here. Uh, you've told me so many things about uh, that you that disturbed you as a kid already um, that I, you don't even know if there would be more. And again, this is not the point of uh, this this episode anyway. We do start with sexuality. And uh, I don't know. Maybe we do this uh, kind of a draft style, um, and I get uh, I give you the first pick for a, a, a special moment of sexuality in this year's nominated uh, movies. So I did do a ranked list, like a very loosely ranked list for each of these. So I'll start with my number five, which is, uh, and this kind of shows you how far I had to stretch in terms of like outright sexuality, because this isn't really a sexually charged scene as it stands but like the the sort of implications of like the psychosexual aspect of this story and of this scene in particular and what it represents for the characters i just thought it it had a lot to say about the uh sort of psychosexual in as much as there is any psychosexuality to this movie it's the scene in the fablements where they're camping and they're all around the fire and Mitzi starts dancing in the headlights of the car. And one of the daughters comments on how everyone can see her body through the the light shining through her dress, but she keeps dancing and like what that means for like her relationship with Seth Rogen and the like sort of pseudo Oedipal thing going on with Sammy and his interpretation of his mother as a person. Uh, and that was, I, I remember a scene that stuck with me in terms of like, oh, th- they're not pulling punches in terms of, that dynamic to this story the the sort of uh uh the way that sammy feels hurt by that affair as if she's cheating on him and and there's just a lot of stuff that this movie sort of uh also retroactively unlocks in a lot of other spielberg movies in terms of like 
mother characters and uh, maternal relationships. And it's not an outright sexual scene, aside from like the faintest glimpses of yeah. like Michelle Williams's silhouette through her dress. But I, th- I think it, it's a scene that has a lot to say about sex. Yes. And I just, I, I felt it, it warranted discussion, but like not enough to place it anywhere higher on the list than a number five slot. But that's what, what I'm going with. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. I, I hadn't even considered that scene. And I do want to say, uh, it, because you said um, your your memory, you had to to uh, check some movies in Parents Guide to even think about. I did not do that. And some of these movies I have watched a while ago, and I, I tried to watch all of these movies. So I will not even attempt to come up with character names for these movies, because that would be absolutely impossible for me to remember any character names at this point, except for the obvious ones. Um, yeah. But it's a great pick, because I think you're absolutely right. Um, while the scene is not sexual, the implications, as you say, are, are really, really strong. And... Um, also, of course, I mean, um, oh, you, you see, there there you go. The protagonist of The Fablements, of course, at this point, I, I think, if I remember, is is old enough to be aware of, you know, of sexuality and so on and so on. But I do think that this moment gives him a, a new kind of experience when it comes to sexuality, which is maybe not the most pleasant one when you think about sexuality, uh, like about your parents and, and especially sexuality about your parents that is not really um, what you expected to be. You know, yeah, and the scene really captures that so well in in such an elegant, beautiful, sad way. Um, yeah, which which becomes even stronger later um, when when he when he cuts the the movie uh, when he edits it together and and then it all comes back again and again and again. So yeah, I think that's a great pick. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was not to like brag or anything, but I was looking through these lists of movies and I remembered that scene. I was like, oh, that would be a really good pick to put on this list. I'm going to like do it. And so I did. And now here we are. But uh, yeah, I I feel like a lot of what that movie is doing with that character, uh, exactly what you said about like coming to terms with the fact that your parents are, you know, whole people and like people that have human issues and human wants and like, messy lives as messy as yours are and they're not all put together and like him sort of having to reckon with the fact that his mother is having this affair because or or like even wants to have this affair. like he realizes before she even really realizes um is like seeing that she's an unsatisfied person that wants to be Mm -hmm. satisfied and like having to realize that in kind of a messy way uh Mm -hmm. That's like a lot of what that whole dynamic between uh, mother and son is in that movie. And I think that scene does a really good job. Like she is sort of subconsciously showing off for Seth Rogen in a messy way, in a way that's like in front of her husband and kids. Yeah. But she's, but also it's like beyond that, it's also just her being joyful and and in the moment. And like, it's not an inherently sexual thing from her on, on her behalf but like the no, way it's interpreted not. like it, it's one of the sisters that says we can see everything stop doing that mom like the the sort of shame and embarrassment from the it, external factor and she the, the, it's a it's a very interesting scene that i don't want to just boil down to it being a sexual thing but like that's it, a, a part of it for sure in a different movie this scene would only be about remembering your mother in a in a special moment you know where she where she danced, where she was all all herself, in a way, and that, that's why I like the scene and the whole movie. Um, that Spielberg is willing to go one or two steps further and and make it really more complicated than that. Um, yes, like it, 
if he, if he had done the the scene that I was just describing, no one would have been surprised, you know. And, yeah, and that's like my mother was sad, but she had some happy yes, moments, and exactly that. right. Like, no, there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. And the scene is that too, in a way, right? as he said, uh, and it's much much more. And apart from the fact uh, that he realizes that his parents, as you said, are like you know have issues and and still are try to be who they are, of course, it also has consequences for him, you know. Uh, and I think that's why the scene is also so important. It's not just about his parents. And 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 again, when we see him editing this 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 movie, this home movie later on, that you see that even more, right? So it has a direct influence on his on his filmmaking too. This this whole moment, yeah. why this moment is also very special, um, and all connected to sexuality. Again, great pick. Thank you. Cool. Uh, what's your what's your number five? Um, I didn't rank or them. If but, you, or what, what, what do you want to start off with? But I, I now I looked at them and I thought, okay, I can rank them in my head. And I, I think I, okay, I, I picked a moment from Triangle of Sadness. And it's one of these movies that I think is, <laughs> there's a lot of sexuality in this film, a lot of it implied, a lot of it shown. But the moment that I uh, came to mind is, is this moment in the end, or not in the end, in the final act when they're on this island. Uh, by the way, spoiler warning for every movie that is nominated this year. Yes. And again, character names. There's this, I don't know, this, this submarine thing that is lying on the beach, basically. I don't know what what is what that is called. The like uh, life preserver raft? Yeah. Or no, no, the 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 sub the tank, the whatever that is. The like the yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. That I'm that thing that that uh the Dolly DeLeon sort of like exactly. camping. Yeah. Exactly, and her character makes it so clear, or or implies that the 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 other protagonist, you know, the the young man that we follow throughout the film, that he's supposed to come inside the submarine to have sex with her. And what I find so special is, I mean, the circumstances are so, so absurd anyway that they're stranded on this beach, there's a submarine lying around there, and then she she hires him in a way for sex in the submarine. Um, I thought it was a very special sexual moment that you wouldn't see in in many other movies. Um, if I correct, if I'm correct, you, you don't really see any sexuality in that submarine, or not much. I don't remember. I I know there's from what I remember because this was also one that I watched when it was in theaters and have not revisited. I think you see them like waking up in bed a few times, yeah, or right. not in bed, but like under the blankets and naked, but like you don't see anything. From what I remember, there there's like post coital sort of sharing of bed. Yeah spaces without actually seeing anything overtly sexually happening i think and, it could be yeah, right. i think so too and, and what i like about the scene or i don't like too much about this movie but um it's it's that is the submarine is lying there on the beach everyone can see it everyone knows that she is living inside it and of course everyone knows what's happening inside once once uh, the the other character gets inside and still in a way everyone pretends that it doesn't happen like no one really talks about it although it's so so obvious and I thought this dynamic is is quite interesting, um, especially because it uses it uses the submarine, which I'm sure has some symbolic meaning that I haven't figured out because I haven't really thought about it, but I'm sure it does. Um, and I mean, I don't know, maybe you know, a submarine that's under the surface, but now it's lying on the beach, so everyone can see it. I'm, I'm sure there's something there. Um, that actually then, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then and then what is happening is still hidden within the submarine, so you don't see it again. And of course, it also symbolizes the, the the reversal of the power dynamic within this group, right? Because th this is like her her castle, um, where she invites someone inside uh, for for special um, you know favors. There's a lot to it, actually, if you, if, you, if if you think about it. Again, I don't know if 
Well, okay. I, I don't know if we should discuss uh, the, how much we like each movie that we're talking about too much, because then again, we'll, we can, no. yeah. I, I think it speaks to to the power of this moment for me that I even remember it too much, because I, I think a lot of this movie just like um, mashes together as a as a as a big, I don't know, mass of a of a supposed satire. But what I at least, least like about this scene is that again, it's unique. Um, yes. And I think it's more unique than many other moments in this film that that I think want to be unique. Yeah, it's a movie that I I wanted to find a place to put it on either of these lists, but I couldn't really think of anything specific. So I'm glad you brought up this uh, whole sort of section because I think that is, you know, perfect for this conversation. The sort of sexual favor in exchange for power that essentially is the the dynamic between the two of them, where he. Mm-hmm allows himself to sort of become her boy toy for lack of a better word yes. uh, in exchange yeah. for pretzel sticks and <clears throat> uh preferentiality in terms of like resources uh yeah. when all, when all the other men that are on this island sort of have to to fight for scraps and everything that that he in a way that like he's he's a male model and that's his whole thing but he's like allowing himself to become sexual favor that he he is comfortable with that i I think that's one of the more interesting parts of the movie is how how willing he is to just essentially almost literally whore himself out for this preferential treatment and and the way that sort of affects the dynamic with his girlfriend that's not really his girlfriend anymore and because what i really like about this moment too is when when she is asking him about this and he's he's really like denying that is going on what is going on and the way he does it and the way to talk about it i think is actually quite funny it's one of the funnier moments i think in this film yeah because you know they both know yeah they both yeah it's exactly what you were saying like i think the submarine metaphor actually isn't something i had considered but that makes a lot of sense something that we know is there we're just not going to acknowledge it like it's this big thing out on it's this giant metal thing out on the beach that you can't ignore like it's so out of place but we're just not going to talk about it we're not going to talk about the sexual dynamics of this this set of of survivors uh i will also say though that a lot of the third act of this movie sort of lessens for me since i've now seen swept away uh i got to see that in a theater a few weeks ago and i was like wow this is like triangle of sadness was so very clearly trying to do this movie again and it kind of uh uh, softened the blow of that movie for me because vert Mueller is just so much better at the social satire that she's going for with that one i think the big difference is that when you watch uh swept away or almost vert Mueller movies you you're never quite sure where she's going. It's yeah. she doesn't make it easy for you, and I think Triangle of Sadness makes it really easy for you. I think the satire is so obvious, and and it's it's really too obvious to be that long, even with the different acts and so on and so on. So well, okay, but let's not discuss the whole movie too much. Uh, again, this this is my my pick. Um, by the way, we're ranking this. I'm not even sure how we rank this. <laughs> I just, just it, yeah, this is a moment I that I find interesting, but not as interesting as the others. That's fair. My number four is like probably more sexual than something that I have ranked higher on the list, but I think it's less interesting. But it's one of the like one of the few sort of moments of outright sexuality between two characters in a movie that's nominated this year 
that I even remembered. And by that, I mean, it's in a movie I watched this week, so it's fresh on the mind. <laughs> uh, and that's, again, sort of a thing that everyone knows is going on and everyone uh, just sort of doesn't acknowledge is the dynamic between these two characters, between a higher up and a subordinate, but it's like very clearly happening. Uh, and that's in Empire of Light, all of the times that Colin Firth invites Olivia Coleman up to his office mm-hmm. and she like jerks him off on his desk or they they have sex and there's a couple times where it actually cuts away to like the two of them standing in this dimly lit office and like her hand is in his lap and she's moving it back and forth and it's a scene like for for a lot a lot of these movies from what i remember again a lot of these i didn't watch recently so maybe that's why this one is standing out any moments of like actual sex happening between characters is mostly implied or cut away from and like this movie does that too. The whole uh, relationship between Olivia Coleman and Michael Ward's characters. I, I watched it this week and I can't even remember for certain if they actually have sex or if it's left ambiguous uh, or if the, it outright says that they don't. I don't remember. I wasn't really paying all that much attention to Empire of Light because I uh, didn't care about it that much to not do other things. But right. the the moments of sexuality between the Firth and Coleman characters it doesn't like show nudity, but it shows these characters actually having sex. And like the camera lingers on it in a way that is gross. Cause it's meant to be gross, but like yeah. it, it heightens the, the, that aspect of the movie for better or worse. Yes. <laughs> it's it's funny because I, I looked really, I looked at all of these movies again to not watch them, but just looked at them and, and thought about moments. And I hadn't, I, I looked at empire of light and thought, hmm, no, there's nothing in there really. And now you mention it, and and I think it's so it's so weird because when I watched this film, this moment stood out to me so much. Again, not really in a good way. No, I think yeah, that, it's not a very good movie. I, I, I like the movie more than I expected, but this scene, I mean, you said it's supposed to gross us out, and this scene is the the, the first moment where we see them in the office together. And as he said, she she's jerking him off, and then he and I, I don't want to repeat it because it, I, I really was grossed up at this moment when Colin Firth asked her to do more and she denies it and she said no and it's it's so uncomfortable and I think my biggest problem with that scene besides now ever having to think of Colin Firth saying what he says in that scene is that I think it, it seems out of place somehow yeah because the movie is not that explicit in anything I mean it is it does show Olivia Coleman's character's uh, psychological issues uh in some way, right? I, I think it doesn't shy away from that. But but compared to everything else, I think this scene stands out so much. And and my problem with with so many sexual moments that I, the more I talk about uh, scenes on this podcast, the more I realize that I, I think it has to fit to the rest of your movie. You can't just have a yeah. scene like that in there that is so so explicit, so so gross, and then the rest of the film is, is just not. I, I I just don't like when that happens, unless it's it's for a clear purpose. And I don't think the purpose is. Because it's so clear what's going on between them anyway. There are so many ways to show that, to show that dynamic and to show that that it's not really, you know, that they're not really enjoying themselves too much, especially yeah. her, that you don't need to to go all the way. I yeah, think. no, it, it's not a necessary scene, but it's at the very least a scene where where something sexual is happening between yeah. characters and it's actually, you know, not cut away from and, and not just like left to interpretation and imagination. Yes. Which, uh, more than anything, that just shows you how sort of relatively skim uh, the 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 amount of actual scenes that I had to go off were. 
from what I remember, again, this one had a boost of I watched it very recently because I had put it off until the last minute. So again, I'm surprised had... I did not remember this moment when I thought about it because, again, I, it stood out. Maybe I wanted to not think about it anymore. Yeah, it, 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 it's not a very good moment, but it's a moment. I also yeah. am, am just now realizing, again, movie I just watched this weekend. I've already forgotten most of it. Probably would be a better fit for the other list because you have a whole race riot. You have like a white supremacist beating that happens in the last act of this movie that's like pretty like gruesomely violent that also feels out of place for the movie but uh, anyway although i consider yeah. that more than uh for for violence uh empire of light than sexuality yeah that's what i mean yeah and again there there are enough violent moments uh, this year that this was not really a contender for me um, yeah i think that's I think ultimately the, the where I... moment that, that that is an interesting fit yeah again interesting pick okay my number four I wonder when we start overlapping. Huh. I, I, my number four is um, a scene where the sexuality, I think, is, is obvious, although nothing explicit is happening. And it is a scene in uh, in Elvis. And it's a scene when uh, it's not, his, I don't know if it's his first concert or one of the early concerts, and he's moving his hips. And everyone knows that this is, was a thing that Elvis uh, was supposed to be um, showing too much sexuality by moving his hips. <laughs> But the movie is not shying away from this at all because it's just focusing, like you get a, a, a close-up shot just of his hip, of his lap, moving towards the camera and then showing the, the female audience like uh, melting away by the thought of what's going on there. And uh, I mean, you can say about Beth Lerman whatever you want. And I, and I, I can stand on both sides of this argument uh, depending on the day and depending on the movie. But here I really love how he again goes for it. Like he, again... You, you know exactly that this, this is a thing about Elvis and he could ignore it or you could just imply it or you can have people talk about it or whatever, but no. He, Gotta show he the whole thing. It, shows it as much as you could in a way uh, without, I don't know, giving us an x-ray shot or I, I don't know. It, it, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't put it past Baz Luhrmann exactly. to have like a, uh, like a, yeah, or uh, I don't know, giving us a fantasy sequence of one of the audience members with Elvis. I don't know, there's so many possibilities. <laughs> but like the scene considering that all we see is someone standing on a stage moving his hips you can't even say that anything is applied anymore because it's so clear what, what this is supposed to mean when you also see reactions from the others you know who are shocked and so on and so on so um i really like this moment i really really like this moment uh, yeah and, and not like too much overall but this moment i, I thought was uh, quite strong and interesting and funny yeah, I, yeah. It, it's it's a good way to show it and and I very nearly put that on my list. I ended up not including it, but I, I very nearly had that because like not even just for the thrusting, but more so for the audience reaction. The yes. like the the just like basically you, you can imagine Baz Luhrmann on set just telling these women like act like you are having an orgasm right <laughs> now. Uh, that's the direction that it seems like these these extras were given because it is just so wildly saying what everyone's thinking again like all of the coverage of elvis's hips drove the audience crazy is, is either outright saying or very heavily implying it, it made them so horny they couldn't you know listen to the music it was that yes. overwhelming and it's a thing that like nowadays however many decades later we feel sort of like but was it really that like how yeah, what was yeah. it about it that was so overwhelming. And I think Lerman does a good job of exaggerating it in the movie, like 
from what I remember, and this could be me misremembering that it's only like this in the trailer, uh, but they have this scene and like the music sort of gets drowned out by this like janky sort of score mm-hmm. that doesn't sound at all like Elvis music. That's like sort of a grungy, like loud, abrasive rock music that comes in and overscores that moment as a way to be like, no, this is really something transgressive and edgy. And I feel like that altogether comes comes together in a very good uh, display of the just yes. overwhelming sexuality of the moment yes. without anything sexual going on. That's a very good pick. And uh, the more we think about it, the more we talk about it, the more I, I kind of wish I had put it in my own list. Although I'm happy with the five I went with. I think, yeah, no, that's a very good poll here. Okay, then your number three is up next. My number three isn't really something that there's going to be a lot of discussion about because it's not really... It's more just it's it's the butt plugs in everything everywhere all at once. Just the the sort of recurring motif of these trophies that look like butt plugs, and the guy has to run and jump and lands on it ass first. There's not really a larger discussion to be had about it. It's just hmm. a recurring thing of and, and like I could have also gone with the sex dungeon, which I think is probably a better pick from that movie. That there's the guy that has the like room of sex toys in yeah, the yeah. back of his office but like but the other somehow... moment is really it's, it's highlighted too you know this this big yes battle moment yeah there's a big sort of uh lead up to the guy that has to jump on the butt plug as the it's been a while i watched that like very early in the year and i have not rewatched that so a lot of the stuff sort of runs together because it's such a a, a chaotic movie but the butt plugs, at the very least, were were memorable, and I I liked the movie, but it, it just not all of it sticks immediately in my mind. But that's so, something that does. The butt plugs are are something that are very memorable about that movie, and it's not outright sexual because they're not used for anything sexual no, in the movie. True. But it's a it's a sexual joke that yeah. recurs. And um, again, more than anything, that speaks to uh, the the limited range of things yeah. I had to pull from. Although the Elvis thing probably should have been on here instead of that. Now that I, I don't know. I actually had this moment on my list and I took it off again uh, in favor of Elvis, which seems weird now because Elvis is so much sexual. Um, I, I I feel bad in a way because I feel like I'm I'm too critical again because I, I'm, I'm critical of so many of the things we've been talking about already. But again, I said nice things about Elvis. So, and if you're listening to this, you're, you're used to it anyway. Um, I didn't like that moment and everything everywhere all at once at all. I thought and I liked the movie most mostly. I had some issues with it, but I had I somehow I really had issues with that moment. It's special, it's unique. But as you said, it it's I don't know, it's such it's, a it's a cheap joke. It's, it's a, a it's a cheap like isn't and it so funny that this stuff looks like butt plugs? Like we're gonna make that a whole thing. That's it, one it's joke. not yeah. And then going there and making it oh, and now look where it has to go, and oh no. And I think all of that, I don't know, I, I thought Aren't we more open to stuff like that to not make such a, a lame joke? Yeah, I think the joke probably like would that. work better. It would work better if it had ended at the the cutaway joke when they're on Jamie Lee Curtis's desk and she's like, yes. I have all these awards and they look like butt plugs. And like if the joke ended there, I think it would be a much better joke than it ends up being. Uh, but it yeah. sort of I being really called like back later. Yeah. That, that fight moment, I really, I, I don't know. I thought it's, Especially considering how how much effort had to be put into filming this, you know, for for this moment that everyone thought that this is it. And, you know, I don't know. I, I don't remember. I also watched it sometime last year. People laughed, of course, 
at this scene. And I can't imagine many people love this moment and think it's the funniest moment to movie. I am just, I'm just imagining things right now, but I can't imagine that. But I, I really didn't like this one, but you know, yeah. but if it's again, I had it on my list. Uh, it is again, as you say, it's not sexual, but of course the implication, uh, the, why it is funny has something is the, to do the sexual. Reality. Yeah. It's, it's again, grasping at straws for a lot of these, not a ton of overt, se- again, aside from the movies that I have in my number one and two spots, not a whole ton of sexuality. Well, what's your number three? Well, hmm. I wonder if we are overlapping here because it's a moment people have been talking about, um, especially in a movie that people have been talking about. Um, it is the opening scene of The Whale. I almost had that on my list as well. And I took it off because I didn't have anything to say about it other than he's watching porn. Um, again, I'm, I'm not apologizing anymore. Um you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big Darren Aronofsky fan. I mean, many people are. I did, I could defend all of his movies easily, all every single one of them, even Noah. Um, I, I could not defend the whale if even yeah. if I wanted to. I really, really, really didn't. And I, you know, I read everything, and I know that people didn't like it. And I thought, well, you know, maybe maybe they didn't get it. I'm sure he he knew what he was doing. And I think that opening scene shows why he didn't know what he was doing. Um, because again, the issue that many people have with this movie is also an issue I have with this movie, which is that we are supposed to be uh, to feel sympathy for uh, the character of Brent Fraser, uh, but then the movie decides to open with a scene that we can feel no sympathy for at all, uh, because it's so so hard to to not feel uh, disgust or pity or or anything, and 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 not just try to make us understand who he is and why he's doing what he's doing. And I just don't understand why you even start with the scene, except for saying, oh, yeah, you're grossed up, but, you know, we're going to show you that this is a real human being. And the movie shouldn't even start from that point to show us that, you know? Yeah. The movie should show us that he's a human being and then maybe also show that he also can do things that maybe seem disgusting to us. But the movie does, the movie's so, so misguided that I I really can't believe it. And this moment, I think, for me, and, and of course, on top of it, I mean, we see Brendan Fraser jerking off. This is not a spoiler because it's the opening scene of the movie. And then it's also gay porn. And it's it's, it's everything on top of each other. Yeah. For shock value or for, for whatever. It's all shock value. It's, it's like, isn't it crazy that this man who has a body like this is still a functioning human being with like human wants and needs, like physically? The best way I've seen someone describe what makes this, not just the movie, but like the script, the the play itself the the story that we're watching what makes it so misguided is that it's setting out to make us uh see charlie as a human being like sympathize with him and it's coming from a place it's assuming that we as the audience are coming from a place where we don't already it's it's as if the movie is yeah. trying to convince us that he's not just this disgusting like like monster he's a real person and don't you feel bad for assuming that when like no of course i don't assume that i know he's a real guy because it's a person i'm watching a person i'm watching a character i'm not going to i i'm and there are people of course there are people out there who are going to have come from that point of view but like those aren't the people that are going to see your artsy movie artsy play about and like a, a a about this character like and those the aren't the people is, that you're preaching to the wrong people. The people like 
there are so many much better ways you could tell a story about a character like this. And the whale is not telling those stories. The whale is trying to make you feel bad for something that you're for for a bias that you're not coming into the story already holding. And especially if you then spent your whole movie emphasizing what we're supposed to be disgusted at or where where we are supposed to feel bad that we are disgusted by it, but the movie is rubbing these moments in our faces again and again and again and again. Aren't you just so disgusted? Aren't you so disgusted? Well, you shouldn't be. But also, here, I'm going to make you feel really disgusted with the sound design and the, like, close-ups on everything. this prosthetic body. like And, and just... the binging thing again and again and again. And, you know, it's really hard not to think that the movie actually <laughs> tries really hard to make it look disgusting. And oh, it absolutely does. To to, yeah. to a point where, and this is something that I, I often have problems with with exploitation movies. And in a way, I don't know, I don't want to call this one an exploitation movie, but it, it borders on it by saying, you know, we show this to make a point, but we show it so much that we forgot, you know, that we, we move beyond that point because we're making the opposite of the point already. Exactly. And, and again, even throwing in the sexuality in, into that scene doesn't make it better. I think it makes it worse. And the other moment um, from this movie, now that we're talking about it, and I guess we will not talk about it again um, on this episode. Yeah, no. Unless there, unless it will be a surprise that I, I, I didn't, I won't see coming. Is when in the end, spoilers, when he reveals himself in the camera. This I hated the movie already at this point, and you see all his students, and you, you know who who seem to like him, you know, and who are curious what he looks like. And then he shows himself and he doesn't just show himself, you know, he moves the camera all the way down his body so that we see everything again, again, to make, because the movie has to make this point and it couldn't be more obvious. And then we see all the students and every single one of them looks disgusted and shocked. And I thought that's, you know, what, what are you trying to tell us here? You really want to tell me that of all these students who know this man as a man could not do anything else, but be shocked and disgusted by what he looks like. It's not it's, good. I, I found that so baffling. This moment was the worst moment of the whole film. Um, but the opening moment comes close. So that's my pick for number three. Yeah, good pick, but I, I could not bring myself to put it on the list because... Understandable. Uh, yeah. Uh, so my number two on this list, I had it at number one up until like just now, and I moved it down because I feel like it's it's not a movie I want to put number one on any list already. Okay, and I'm it's also enough. like... It's a it's a movie that like is probably the it's the most sexual the most sexually explicit of all of these movies, but also I feel like the the other scene that I have picked that I've just moved up to to number one I have more things and certainly more positive things to say about. So I'm the my number two movie overall is Blonde. Yeah. This. No, our first overlap. And, yes, the, my number two. <laughs> weirdly, yeah. Um, and I. I you know, there's so many things you can pick from from Blonde. There's okay. it's and pick really, one, and I pick another. Yes, uh, the one. So the one that I have, and it's probably it's because it's the most the movie revels in sex without tying it to violence, without tying it to like the mm. the violence put upon the character. It's like the one time I think that we see her having sex with people that she cares about and and in a pleasurable way, and it's the threesome she has with mm -hmm. uh, Chaplin Jr. and Robinson Jr. Right, mm -hmm. it's Edward G. Robinson's kid and Chaplin's kid. Uh, I don't I remember guess. who the other one is, yeah, but those me. two, the two guys, the two friends, yeah. uh, that at the end one of them dies and gives her the the stuffed animal, and it's supposed to be sweet or whatever. But the the threesome they have in the hotel room, that I was so worried when the scene started 
because I, I came to this movie very late. I, I had avoided it for as long as I could, and then I watched it because I had to. And she's in this hotel room with these two men. Hotel room? I don't remember where it is. But uh, I, I knew going into it that, that, like, everyone had picked apart this movie for just, like, being not yeah. misery. I don't want to say misery porn because that has a lot of uh, implications in this yeah. particular conversation. But, like, just it, just subjecting the character of Marilyn Monroe to so much abuse nonstop that, like, when they started flirting with her, I was like, oh, God, is this going to go in yeah. that direction? And when it didn't, when it turned into just, like, a regular sex scene between these characters that over the rest of the movie, we see she has this good relationship with, yeah, like, on a friendship level, on a pseudo-romantic level, just, like, I, I was happy that the movie had a scene at one point, one scene of this character having sex and it not being, like, forced on her in the most miserable of ways, uh, and it was like, I, I don't know. It was at the very least something that I could not feel so gross about having to watch. It, it was, it, and that's why it and sticks it, with me in this conversation because it's the one time sex is actually sexual in nature in this movie. And, and I agree wholeheartedly um, that it was my favorite moment of the of the movie. And isn't that? The, tell me if I'm wrong. Isn't it also the moment when uh, the sex scene turns into Niagara Falls? Probably so. That's oh, I forgot because, about that. But like, Jesus, because that was Christ. my favorite moment of the whole film. I thought it was so clever. It was so well done, and it was so interesting. It was almost too interesting because then you notice how not well done the rest of the movie is, and how uninventive it is, or how yeah. not trying. Because I think that the the moment is actually showing, as you said, it's showing pleasure, and then then and and by turning it into the Niagara Falls, it it, it kind of highlights it. Again, maybe I'm wrong and people shouting at us right now. But that's why I really like this moment as well. So that, that would have been one of my two picks from this film. So you picked it. My pick is uh, maybe the opposite. The, to me, at least, the least pleasant one, the most disgusting one, the most uncomfortable I one. I mean, take your pick. There's so many. <laughs> yes, there are so many. But to me, it was <sighs> the JFK moment. Oh, God. I blocked that out of my mind i wasn't because... even i thought you were going to go with the audition at the very beginning because i remember no, that being that's, unpleasant. that's bad too of I, course yeah i totally kind of forgot obvious, about the j oh god but the jfk moment is is because again it is doing a similar thing that the whale does it says okay we have Marilyn we have jfk we all know what's going on what have been going has been going on between them we know all the rumors how about we we destroy anything, any romantic idea we would have of this moment, which again, is not a bad idea, you know, because it's, it's crazy of us to assume that anything special was happening between them and it was not some exploitative thing. It but goes too you, far in the other direction. If you want to accuse the movie of exploiting her misery, then this moment must be maybe the number one. The way it does it, the, the way it goes on, and it's it, it just doesn't stop and you don't want to see any of this and it doesn't change anything. It, it's not like doing anything... And it happened so late that if anyone at this moment think, oh, maybe she suffered, <laughs> then you're the wrong audience anyway. Yeah. Um, God, I, think I forgot. Just, I... It just decides to do what it does for, it does for Marilyn Monroe to also do for JFK and, well, you know, because men are pigs and so on and so on. And at this point, you you really get it. You know, it's, it's a, we, we understood it. We don't have to go that far. And of course, you could argue that the scene is kind of inventive for showing a lot without showing anything. I could imagine that this yeah. scene is probably responsible for, for it being NC-17, which we shouldn't forget, you know, a movie this year is nominated for an Oscar that's NC-17, that doesn't happen so often. And NC-17 doesn't happen so often anyway. 
Um, yeah. I wonder if the scene is responsible. Um, I did what I did do is I pulled all the MPAA um, reasonings for their ratings from all the movies. What I've realized is that their um, what what they say uh, when they give their ratings is much more interesting in the '90s than it is ever since the '90s. What I really loved yeah. about the the explanation for Blonde, it's NC-17 for some sexual content. Some. Yes, and it makes it sound like so harmless. And, and that's the only thing they mentioned, some sexual content. Um, that's you know, weird. You, you don't think, oh, this must be NC-17 then when you read that. No, um, it, yeah, that's a weird. That's weird. Yeah. Anyway, that's Blonde. I think we you don't have to talk It about sure it. is Blonde. And at the very least, we've both gotten it out of the way now, so we're not going to be talking about it on the list of violence. But rest assured, it could have shown up there. It's, uh, it's one of these movies where where you heard all the negative buzz, and I I went well. I hope everyone is wrong, and this movie is actually well done and has something interesting to say. And then you watch it, and you go, "Oh no, it's exactly what everyone was worried about." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I'm. I wonder if our number one is the same because it's. I, I don't uh, think so, but I'm curious. I'm curious what okay. you say. So my number one is uh, a movie that I, I really loved, and I could have picked any number of moments because it is a, oh. a movie that's about a lot of sex, uh, oh. or it's a lot of it is about sex. A lot of it, the whole thing is about sex. It's all about, uh, it, it is uh, Best Animated Short nominee, My Year of Dicks, oh, okay. uh, which is all about, uh, it's a, I believe autobiographical story about this uh the the writer her like trying to lose her virginity in a few different relationships she had in the early 90s uh trying to lose her virginity and there's one did, have you seen this one yet i don't yes i, don't, I have seen okay. it yes. yes so the scene that i pulled is it's a scene that kind of blew my mind in how it was done and everything it's a scene where her mom has walked in on her mm -hmm. uh watching is it henry and june I think because I was I was watching it. I, I went to go see all of the nominated shorts in the theater with my mom. Uh, and she like at the scene because she recognized that it was Henry and June on the TV <laughs> just from the scene. And she goes, is that Henry and June? And then they close the VHS cover. And it is because um, uh, she really likes that movie. But then after this, the mom pulls her and makes her go talk to her dad. And he gives her this horrible yeah. sex yeah, talk yes, about yes. how like women don't enjoy sex yeah, and, and like the oh. the the whole movie it's, it's done in like little uh sort of vignettes with different yeah. animation style but the way this scene is done where the just the the visual representation of the extreme discomfort and anxiety of having to listen to your father just very calmly tell you that like oh women don't enjoy sex you're not supposed to masturbate asking if she's ever given a blowjob before. There's all these things that, like, he's just, like, barely yeah. even registering what he's talking about. He's, like, checked out, uh, and she's just so uncomfortable. And it's, again, extremely sexually frank in in the language of it. The whole, the whole short is. It's a very good short for those of you out yes. there that maybe haven't seen this one because the short film, they're hard to, to find, and the, the, yes, the less interesting category because... You know, it, it, it's less of a race to follow. But if you're going to check out any of the shorts, well, first yeah. I would recommend Ice Merchants because I really liked Ice Merchants. And also uh, An Ostrich Told Me. Basically, the entire animated short lineup except the boy, the mole, the fox, and the, the horse, which is bad. <laughs> exactly my opinion. Uh, and it's prob <laughs> probably going to win, which is a real shame because it's awful. Yes. But definitely check out My Year of Dicks. Uh, yeah. 
very yeah. uncomfortable. It's, it's intentionally uncomfortable. It, it is not. It, it's a it's a messy, realistic look at adolescent sexuality and like the lies we tell ourselves as yes. young people about like oh virginity is this uh, important thing but also like just the the absolutely horrid dynamics of young people trying to figure the, themselves out but also trying to appear as if they have it figured out to everyone around them like yes. the 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 fear of being perceived as sexually unaware is really well done in that short and i think that scene in particular yes is it's the most striking out of all of them. Yeah, the most memorable, uh, for sure. I really like this short as well. Um, and I think you said everything you can say about this short. Again, check it out if you, if you haven't. It's really good. Uh, but I, I, I just want to say I'm really, really happy that the Oscars this year have a movie called My Year of Dicks. And I can't wait for someone to have to read it out. On, I mean, I don't know. Do they bleep it? No, well, in, in the uh, announcement ceremony, Riz Ahmed yeah. read it and, and got a bunch of laughter. And I think... I, I could be misremembering, but they announced the first slate of presenters uh, this week. And Riz Ahmed, I think, is on the list of announcers. And I I really hope they bring him back to do that category again. Yes. Because one, he won uh, for his live action short last yeah. year. So it would be, there, there, there would be precedent to bring him back for this category. And also, it was kind of like a, a meme going around of just the way Riz Ahmed said my year of dicks. So I hope they bring him back to read it again. I hope he gets to read it twice. I hope he gets to open the envelope and say my year of dicks. And, I think we can uh, say that it, it speaks to the strength of the movie that it got nominated despite its title. Um, yeah, because it's really it, that good. Yeah, it is. I, I think that says a lot. Okay, that wouldn't. That was not. I had it in my uh, well, what I opened my honorable mentions um, <laughs> because of course I couldn't uh, just finish with five. But again, I don't have any honorable mentions left. All I have left is my number one. I'm very curious where this is. Man. Um, and uh, you said by my, uh, for my year of dicks that he couldn't really pick one scene and then he picked a scene. I have a bigger problem with my pick because I couldn't really pick a scene. But when I thought of sexuality, the first movie that came to my mind and I, 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 I jogged through it again and there were many, many moments of, of sexuality, but I, I couldn't really pick one. And I'm actually happy not to pick a scene. Uh, it's Babylon. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that somehow. I for, I forgot, for one, I forgot it was nominated for Oscars, but I totally did not even consider that. For the, that's That was stupid of me. This is a very good pick. Wow. <laughs> so, so many mo moments, so many <laughs> scenes to pick from. I mean, just the opening party has so many outrageous sexual moments that you would not expect in a movie that costs that much and and you know has all these stars which is probably one of the reasons why it uh, was not appreciated as much uh, because it was just too much for many people but again the opening party would be uh, would be a pick already <laughs> because of all the sexuality that happens in there everything about margaret robbie, robbie and uh, the way she is she is viewed by everyone how she has, has so much sexuality wherever she goes but it doesn't really distract from her talents, which is something that you could say about Margaret Robbie herself, which is why she's so perfect for this role. And I think the whole movie plays so well with that. And I don't know, I was being very critical before, but uh, I love Babylon. I really, really loved it. And it's a shame that it didn't get more nominations, but again, you couldn't have, have expected that. But the way it treats sexuality, the way, of course you could say, again, you, I mean, many people say this movie is actually uh, exploitative 
and that it exaggerates the uh, our ideas of uh, the 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 golden age. But you know, there are enough books have been written about this time that you know a lot of it is true. What what this movie shows, especially when it comes to sexuality. I mean, it has a lot of violence too, actually. But uh, just the sexuality alone, I think, uh, warrants it uh, for um, well being part yeah. of our ranking. And for me to put it at number one because it's yeah, it's it's probably probably my favorite movie of all the movies. And I know not everyone thinks this way. Yeah, it's um, a very good pick for this conversation. So my pick I is Babylon. Don't know how that slipped by. <laughs> wow. I, Again, I guess it, I, I just, yeah. I think it's hard to pick one scene. Maybe that's that's a reason, you know? I, I, I thought about it for so long and I think, well, I can search so long to find one scene or I can just throw in the whole movie and that's what I did now. So no, that's there a good you go. That's a Babylon good is my pick. Okay. Yeah. Do you have anything left for sexuality? Uh, you said you had, or did you say you had already read through all of your honorable mentions? Yes, I didn't have that many. <laughs> um, let me just look through the Wikipedia to see. If I mean, we have to be careful not to cheat ourselves and say we pick five and then we mention every other one we have. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. Again, I kind of struggled to come up with that list of five and well, the ones that I probably would have thrown in as honorable mentions. You you have already mentioned. It's okay. We still have violence to go, and we have much more to say about violence, I guess. Uh, and oh yeah, for a while already. So let's let's close sexuality for this year's Oscars. Uh, I think, as you said it already, it's not the most sexual Oscar year. I mean, it would be interesting to go back at other uh, ceremonies and to check the movies if how they how they compare, uh, because yeah. it's easy to say that now. But I'm I'm not sure. So many years of Oscars were much more sexual. There is one. I mean, there are different examples for sure. Which one are yeah. you thinking of? Uh, and I only know this off offhand because it's a it's an observation I've had multiple times in talking about movies from this year on my show. Uh, yes. But 1971 is a very sexually frank year at the Oscars, where you have a Clockwork Orange and Carnal mm -hmm. Knowledge and McCabe and mm -hmm. Mrs. Miller and Summer of '42, and yes. uh, the Hospital has a whole sexual bent to it. And uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday is that year. Uh, let me pull up what else because I know there's even more than Shaft is uh, oh, yeah, Oscar nominated that year. What else is there? Oh, a Last Picture Show, of course, is mm -hmm. that year. Oh yes, oh, um, for sure. a lot of very sexually frank movies at the Oscars. Yeah, you're right. That's year. actually an interesting point. Yeah, um... uh, which uh, I just think that's an interesting thing to bring up when like, oh, Clute also Clute very. Uh, uh, sexually uh, minded, but then you also have, on the other hand, French Connection and Fiddler on the Roof and Nicholas and Alexandra, uh, and some some decidedly not as sexually uh, uh, charged movies. I just think that's an that's the first year that comes to mind because I've talked about multiple of those movies. I've talked about Carnal Knowledge and yeah, and I'm looking at the list now. Uh, I mean, Death in Venice, uh, yeah, would also fit, you know. Um, uh, I mean, this Straw Dogs was nominated for an Oscar this year, which you know, yeah, you're right. That's that's really interesting. Uh, well, we should have a, a a different episode, a different show, where we just uh, compare Oscar ceremonies and uh, see which one is the most sexual and rank those <laughs> most sexual. That... Would take forever. <laughs> Academy Awards parentheses gone wrong parentheses gone sexual. Yeah. Okay. Oh boy. If we, if we um... have a new show, that that's the one we'll do. Okay, let's let's move on to violence. Um, before we move on to violence, I did something and I thought it was interesting, but then it wasn't that interesting. I, I said I looked at all the ratings again, um, and I just I, I thought 
Maybe it's interesting. That would be another thing to compare. Uh, this year, we have one NC-17 movie. We have 13 R-rated movies nominated. We have 13 PG-13 movies nominated and six PG movies. I mean, considering that we have 14 movies R and higher, you would expect more sexuality probably than, yeah. than we said here. But a lot of them are, are rated R, not for sexuality. So there you go. What's the other PG movie aside from the five animated? Uh, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Ah, that makes sense. That's one of the ones I haven't seen. That's yeah. that's one of my it's nine. PG. It's a very ago. PG movie. That makes sense. I'm I'm yeah. looking forward to it. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Uh, as um, far as I remember, no sexuality and violence in this one. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine so, given that it's PG and all. Uh, do you want to start off this section since I started the last one? Mm, okay. Okay. Um, or if not, that's fine. I I can I just wanted to offer that. No, I can. Up. I can. I can start off. So let's see what would be my number five. Um, the problem is I have six. I have to throw one out at some point during our discussion, and I oh, will. You, you can do six. You can do six. I'll let you do six. It's your show. You're, you have full reign over. Because I'm the one that you had mentioned either five or ten, and then last night I was like, "Hey, what if we just do five? I don't know if I could do a full ten. So I, I'm the one that has given you the handicap here. Feel free to go for six. You know, I, I go with five. I have one honorable mention that I that I want to want to get into. Okay, so my number five is Bardo, which again, a movie that I feel no one talks about. <laughs> it's one of the other ones I haven't seen yet. So I'm I will have less to offer to this particular conversation. Okay. But I, I find it so strange. Uh, you would expect this movie to be more talked about because of its director. And it, I think it's it's it, it almost borders on not existing. And that it was nominated for Oscars is really surprising to me. There is a moment in uh, Bardo where our character who wanders through the movie through different um, fantasy scenes and dreams and reality, and also sexuality, by the way, but I didn't want to include it. And there's a moment where he comes upon, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm getting everything wrong here. So if you're an expert for this, you know, be angry, be mad, it's okay. And he walks upon a, a pile or like a hill and you realize it's a hill completely consisting of, of dead bodies that is supposed to to show like the the consequences of um the the um conquering uh, south america by by uh, the spaniards and so this this pile of dead bodies is supposed to to show you know the the amount of of deaths that happened because of that and as much as i didn't like this movie again i really liked the idea behind this scene it made me think of the holy mountain in a way from, from the 70s, because that that uses some similar imagery for depicting that, which is a much better movie than Bardo. But I like this moment, and, and this is my number five. So there Isn't you go. that, I will say, isn't that imagery that he used in The Revenant as well? Oh, yeah, you're right. Of course he did. Where he has the, the giant, oh, yes, pile, right, of, of course. The, the giant yeah. pile of native but skulls. It, yes, you're right. Oh, dear. That I, How could I forget? That, that definitely lessens it, because it's, yeah. He steals from it himself. Not surprising, yeah. actually, if you think about it. Um, yeah, I mean the whole the whole thing of Bardo is from yeah, what, from but... my interpretation, having not seen it, that it's uh, semi autobiographical. So I would imagine there, there's yeah. some, there's that's a intentional and... callback to one of his own movies. But yeah. calling it semi autobiographical is a stretch. It's uh, it feels very autobiographical. Yeah. Anyway, but I still I leave it as my number five. So what's your number yeah. five? My number five is. Very broad in chalking it up to this because it's kind of the whole movie and it's all of the dogfights in Top Gun Maverick, but specifically at the end when they're actually fighting, 
when, when they're actually across enemy territories in vague other country because the movie goes to very pained details to not set it to not set the enemy base anywhere specific like we don't know is this supposed to be you know russian or middle eastern or where are we fighting we don't know it's just in another country it it felt wrong to not have maverick on this list of violence because it's such a big action movie but like the violence it's all put done at, at such a distance it's all these planes fighting there's no like person on person violence the the we i don't think we ever even see an enemy soldier outside of a plane and if we do they're like in a distance in full garb they're not people these these enemies are not characters they're they're not humans they're they're just like video game enemies essentially but it's a movie that like works for the adrenaline rush of action sequences and the violence of that and so that's why it's lower on the list. That's why it's only my number five, because there's no real st- violence specifically wrought on individuals, uh, either given to or taken from the protagonist characters. But like, it's a violent movie uh, in terms of its action <laughs> sequences to the to the extent that it can be for, for what it is. It, it's certainly lighter than some of the other action movies up this year. But I wanted to throw it in there because I, I yeah. felt like it, it warranted discussion in terms of its violence or lack thereof. It, it maybe would have been my number six. In my argumentation, and I think you in a way said it, I think for a movie that is about, about war, about flying a mission, killing lots of people to achieve something for something somewhere, which is all the movie tells us, Yeah. Um, I wanted to pick it in a way for for the way it denies actually showing violence, considering in what its, it is. Yeah, even within it, its action sequences. In its conception, it is a it's a very violent film. You know what it wants to show. You know because it's, it's all about fighting. It's all about the, the, the dark fights. It's about shooting at people and so on and so on. But in a way, it it avoids violence completely because that wouldn't really work. You know, if the if there was so much violence, the movie would not be what it is. Again, I would argue for better or worse, but I think you said you said everything already about Top Gun Merrick, which somehow fits within here and somehow doesn't. It's a, it's it's an odd. Yeah, it's lower on the list because it's it's I, I, there's only to my memory one named character that dies, and it's Goose, and he dies off screen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then uh, wait, that was your pick, uh, so it's my turn yes. again. Um, wait, let me check my number. four. Four then would be, hmm, yeah. I think I go with RRR, another movie where it would be really difficult to pick one scene because yeah, there's I, I a lot of violence in this scene, uh, in this mo- in this movie, a lot of it. But maybe maybe the obvious one in a way, or the most striking one, is the um, it's not the opening scene, but the very early scene where all these protesters are gathered around this compound and and trying to break down the fence. And then uh, one of our two protagonists jumps out and, you know, shows off his first superhero moment by fighting, I don't know, millions of people and, and not being Just chasing down. them all off, pushing them off mountains, jumping on their heads like a like a Mario. It's, yeah. And I have issues with this film, but this scene is so striking. It's so unusual. I don't even know if I like it, but it's still, I, I still would, I would show it to people to say, look at this, which means something. 
at the end of the day, it's not a scene that you can debate whether or not it's violent. No, so it certainly warrants an inclusion here because it is it is not a scene that we can hem and haw over. It is certainly apt for discussion here. Yeah, but what's what's so, what's so odd about it, of course, is it is it's so violent. It's these, these all these people who want to destroy everything, and you are you, you know they have the power to do it because the the compound they're surrounding is so small, and the soldiers are so so few. But at the end of the scene, in a way, I mean, he's fighting a lot of people. But there are not a lot of casualties, actually. You know, no one is. It feels like no one is really hurt at the end of this big, big fight scene. Some people are hurt, of course. He's hurt. You know what I yes. mean? Everything goes well, and they don't even manage to to um, to tear down the fence and the gate. Although they they could have. Um, they do later on. There, there's later. Yeah. I think it works for that scene in particular because of what we later find out about that character, about his actual yes. motivations. That he's not because like yes. he's eventually revealed fighting the same fight that these protesters are. He's just doing it from yes. inside the system and he has to uh, keep that guard up. He has to keep that that act up. And I think that's... It's a movie that I also just saw very recently. I saw it, like, not even a week... Like, earlier this week in the theater with, like, a big crowd, which I, I think was the best way to see that with a oh, lot of... Yeah. Especially with, like, the crowd was also predominantly Indian, so there was, mm -hmm. you know, a, a lot of uh, hype for the movie in the room, and I think that sort of benefited my experience of it. Yeah, that that scene, I think, is yeah. a, a good one to bring up and may or may not have something else from that scene later on my list. Okay. So, then we don't want to speak too much more, more about... Yes. RRR. I saved that for whenever it might possibly show up again might or might not who's to say what's your number uh where are we your number four, four. Number my number four is less showy in its violence than some of these other picks it, it's not i don't even really know how i would describe it in this context i just wanted to mention it and it's the scene in the banshees of Inisherin, mm -hmm. where uh where calm shows up at uh Patrick's, i don't remember is is it pronounced? I, I I can't pronounce these names. A uh, lot of lot Don't of ask me. But uh, when when Brendan Gleeson shows up at Colin Farrell's house later on, after they've they've talked again, and it seems like things are going better, and it, it seems like they've worked things out, and he shows up and he throws his last three fingers at the door, and the the movie gave you just that little glimmer of hope that maybe this is all going mm -hmm. to work out, and maybe they're going to be friends again. And just not not just because it, it, the the violence is all technically done on himself. He's the one that cuts off his own fingers. Mm -hmm. He's the one that throws them at the door. And it's not especially gruesome in showing us that, but just the the way that that act sort of lingers over the the whole rest of the, the movie and, and just the the way it affects the dynamic between them on a nonviolent but still very aggressive front. It's it's one of the part. I mean, I, that's my favorite movie of the year. That's like n my number one by kind of a long shot. But that scene really sticks with me in terms of just this almost hopelessness yeah. going on with that character. Just just it, it, what it represents on a socially violent level. Like I, I have a lot of thoughts about that movie that I still need to like really fully unpack about what everything means. But that scene, understandable, yeah, yeah, really stands with, really stays with me. So this would have been my number two, although I would have gone with the first finger moment. We because... can save it. We can we can save conversation for for then if you want to keep it 
there. Okay, yeah, let's then, do that. Because those that. are two different moments. Those are those, there's they, they mean two different things in the context yes. of the movie. So that's yeah. But I agree. Your your pick is great too because uh, yeah. Again, and also yeah. because this uh, again spoilers for everything, but like <laughs> the sort of secondhand implications of this because one of these fingers is the one that Jenny chokes on, mm-hmm. uh, and exactly. so even like the unintended consequences that that's part of what the whole thing is about it is is about the like the way that we sort of torture ourselves in these moments of ennui and just total hopelessness affects the people around us even when we don't mean it to like it has these drastic consequences even when we think it's like the selfless thing like the selfless sort of wallowing in self-pity still hurts the people around us and, yes. and there's there's just so much going on with that movie um, but that act, I think, is is one that I've really, really stuck with me, even though the violence is not what you would traditionally think of in terms of a violent scene in a movie. Yeah. Where it's all done off screen and still, it's done to oneself. But yes. It's very key to the film. Both both scenes are, are very integral to everything that happens in this film. So I think that definitely warrants it. Okay, great. Yeah, again, great pick, obviously. Thank, thank um, you. And a great movie. Uh, I, I agree. You know, I can be positive. I like I like some of these movies. So my number three is a moment in a movie full of moments. It's a surprising moment of violence. That's why I picked it, because I really, really didn't like expect that to happen. And it's from EO. Oh, yeah. And again, this film has so many different scenes and moments that it's really hard to remember any single one of them. But when I, again, looked at all of these movies, I looked at EO and I thought, oh, yeah, I, I know exactly what I want. Oh, um, I... I, I think I know exactly what scene you're talking about. And again, I'm mad I didn't think about this from my own list because this is a perfect shout out. Uh, again, I don't know. You know, the movie has Maybe. a lot of scenes. There's, yeah, there's a few, but I think... Yeah. Yeah, spoilers. But there's this one character, is a, like a, a trucker. And he's sitting in his truck. And he has been like... And the, the donkey has been with him for a, for a moment. And, and really, it's so... It, I found it really shocking. Really, all of a sudden, someone just jumps onto the, the truck and slashes his throat and runs away again. And, you know, it's really explicit and it's really, really shocking. Um, it's one of the few characters you like too. And it's really not something you ex- you'd expect. Be- I mean, from on the outside, of course, EO is not what many people probably think it is. It's not a cute movie about a donkey. It's not. Just like Banshees of Inisherin is not a cute movie about a donkey. Um, <laughs> but this moment is so violent. It's so shocking. Yeah. And that's also not even the scene that I was like, that was uh, another yes, scene that I thought of when you said that, but like the one that I thought you were going to go for is when the, the angry sports fans show up uh, and oh, yeah. they, they like kick the people out of the, the place where they're celebrating. And then they, they like gang up and like almost beat the donkey to death. And you mm-hmm. see it like from the perspective of the donkey, you see these drunk yeah. sports fans, like try to kill this animal that had not like an animal that was just standing on the sidelines when they when their team lost this match and so they try to kill this animal like that but yes the one that you mentioned where, where they like hijack the truck i could be misremembering the because because it kind of comes out of nowhere and i don't think we get all that much motivation but i think they're like animal rights activists that are trying to to i'm not even sure i, I don't remember i it, it it comes out of nowhere and it's again we don't super get to know these characters motivations in a way it doesn't uh, even matter for, it for yeah. the impact of the of the violence that you see uh, and i mean there's something i talk about a lot here you know this scene has just such a big impact because of because it is so sudden uh, because it's we don't really understand it 
Yeah, that's that's my pick. Yo, what a movie! Yeah, what a movie. This yes, is. really good movie. Very, you can, very. You can read about it. You can have ideas about it, and you will still be surprised by this film. Exactly. Uh, my number three pick is also from a movie where I could have, uh, I could have essentially populated a full list of ten uh, with scenes from three movies. One of them uh, being RRR, which we've mentioned, but I haven't mentioned my pick. Uh, and the other two are the other two in my top three. Uh, and so this one, it, it, it's from Avatar, The Way of Water. There's, because like the last sort of hour of the movie is mm -hmm. a big action set piece uh, where they they launch a siege on this sort of traveling boat that Quaritch and his people and these military avatars and these whalers and all these people have, they're coming to the the island and the the, the Navi are fighting back. And there's so many scenes I could have pulled from this sequence. Uh, I I was very tempted to go with something from the last act of this sort of violence act, the sort of uh, uh, war spectacle extravaganza, where it's just down to uh, Sol Jake Sully and Natiri and their kids and uh, sort of child figures versus Quaritch in this sinking ship. But the, the scene I ended up going with is you have a bunch of the whalers uh, of, of these people that are fighting off, that are like killing the Tulkun and getting their, their brain juice because it's mm -hmm. this highly sought after thing. And you have the head whaler, who I don't remember the actor, uh, but it's the guy who like Jemaine Clement is his second in command. And he's this like aggressive hunter. Um, he's on one of these little speedboat things. And through a series of like floating around and jumping out of the water, uh, Payakon, who's the big whale Tulkun, who tried to fight off some of these whalers years ago, and because of that, got sort of uh, uh, excommunic excommunicated by its herd uh, and lost a fin in the process. And turns out, is this is is not this violent uh, animal that all of the the Navi assumed it was because it got cast out uh but in this scene it uh, payakon manages to get like a chain uh and it, it jumps over the ship that this whaler is on mm -hmm. and wraps the chain around the whaler's arm and like pins it to a rock and yeah, just yeah. rips the dude's arm off in a way that's so cathartic because it's payakon who's who lost this fin and then gets to exact that like very one-to-one -one parallel revenge on this evil animal hunter and it's it's there's so many acts of violence in this movie especially done against the villainous humans that really make you just stand up and cheer because yeah fuck this sort of uh, military capitalist uh, uh hellscape but that moment in sp in particular really stuck with me in terms of like yeah fuck this one guy in particular you're getting the most cosmic comeuppance you can get from this animal that you have wronged its entire species for for your uh, capitalistic greed, uh, and it's it's just a scene that really stands with me as like violence that I'm happy happened to this character because he deserved it. Yeah, that's what, that's what we're here for. Um, <laughs> cheering for violence. Um, yes. Yeah, it's a great pick, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you, uh, you included that because I, um, I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't really consider Avatar. Not because I didn't think it has violence in it, because it obviously, obviously, it does have a lot of violence in it. I don't know. It's one of those it, where, like, what, what do you pick? How, how can you pick something 
I almost didn't include it. And then I remembered that one specific thing that I could point to as like a singular moment rather than just the last hour. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, for for another reason is that the, the movie just doesn't do a lot for me. And but but that that shouldn't even be the reason. But these movies, and I had a similar issue with RRR, where I really couldn't decide. But then the scene jumped out to me. I I don't know how your ranking will go, but I did not include the Batman, for example, which has so much violence in it. But it's it's harder to consider it because the violence is like part of the package in a way, you know, you, you expect violence and you get violence. And this is what avatars too, you know, you, you know, there's a big battle scene in the end, but the moment you picked is unusual because you don't expect that. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the rare moments in that act where violence is done on a specific character. Yes. Like so much of the, either, either the human whalers or the human soldiers or the avatar soldiers, they're, they're like no name, just sort of, red shirts they are there to be killed they're there to be shot by arrows or whacked in the head by a pipe or like uh their their ship flies into a rock and it explodes but like this one guy is a character that we have come to specifically hate and want to see bad things happen to him and when we do it's a great moment of cathartic violence that i i think is what like i don't know i i did like avatar quite a bit (laughs) I, I, i had a lot of fun with it um and that moment it sticks with me as like hell yeah hell yeah that moment from avatar uh so your number two we we both kind of come to our number twos uh prematurely but let's let's talk about your because you said banshees was your number two right yes that's my number two so i picked the first finger moment um i mean you said a lot a lot about the and um the, the violence and how it is portrayed and so on and so on um and of course you're right this moment is different I think what makes it so special is that you you could think up until this point you probably think well this will this will somehow turn out well or become more comedic and the realization for us and for um Colin Farrell's character that this is real now like the, the, this is not a joke this is not some 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 strange idea that will just pass that this becomes so serious, I think makes this m- moment really shocking. And there are two things. It's it's a moment where he finds the finger, which is shocking, and you see it in his face so much. But also the moment that follows soon afterwards when you see uh, Brendan Gleeson playing his uh, violin and you see the, the finger missing. Maybe that's later. Maybe I'm confusing that. Um, doesn't really matter. But that that first moment really stuck out to me uh, because when I watched the movie, I, I was kind of surprised. I I, I did I was not sure the movie would go all the way. And because it happens relatively early, you you have no idea what could happen next. Because if that could happen, if he actually is able to cut off his own finger just to make a point, what yeah, else can happen? And a lot of things happen. So yeah. um, that's what. Makes and I think that really special. Oh, yeah, and I think that's that builds to the scene that I mentioned, where like, yes, exactly. Okay, he has cut off the one finger. Maybe he's made his point. Maybe yeah. he's maybe he's done with that. And then later and, on, there's a second finger, and then at the or is it one and then four, or is it one and then one and then three? Either I'm way, sure either way, when it gets to the the scene that I mentioned, you you're still not a hundred percent sure. Like, okay, but is he going to cut off all of them? Is he going to give up at some point? Is he going to relent at some point? And then no, he does end up cutting off all of them by the end. Uh, so yeah, I think both of our scenes are kind of necessary to fit with one yes. another. Uh, and we we came at them a bit backwards with. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. That's but okay. yeah, absolutely. 
And, and of course, what's also uh, important about this moment is that you, you're so shocked by it when you see the finger and, you, and you, you realize that it's really going to happen. But when he starts threatening more, you still think, well, you know, with one finger missing, you know, he could he can still manage in a way. But once you go you go on with more fingers, it really becomes really, really difficult, especially for someone like him who, who likes to play an instrument, you know? Yeah. And that's why it is the way it it, it builds up is, is really becomes more and more shocking. Um, because you still, even after the first finger, you think, oh, well, maybe, maybe this is it. But exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great moment. And yeah. then my number two, uh, which again, we also mentioned is from RRR. Uh, and so you picked one from like the very beginning and mine yeah. is from the very end. And it's also kind of cheap to count this as a moment because it's an entire set piece. But the fight in the in the woods, uh, in, in, in the forest where you have uh, the one character, the like the guard who's secretly a revolutionary with his flaming arrows that he's shooting at people. And then the other character with his spear coming out of the water, stabbing people. And they're just like shooting at these British soldiers, setting them on fire, blowing up their, their motorcycles. Uh, it's a big showy action set piece that it has a bunch of really inventive deaths. It has mm -hmm. a bunch of scenes that I think are again, very cathartic in their payoff of like, just obviously it's a movie that has a lot of politically sort of sketchy things mm -hmm. that you have to consider but if you're just watching it in a theater with a big crowd uh and you're you're just letting it sort of wash over you there's a lot of hell yeah moments in there there's a lot of moments where you can just like momentarily turn off the part of your brain that has to like really consider the political implications and you can get back to those later and think about like yeah maybe what this movie is doing isn't great but on just a filmmaking level on, on a level of having cathartic uh, uh action sequences it, it's a fun movie I, I can't deny that i can't deny having a good time at the movies with that one and especially that sequence i felt a lot of like how are they going to one-up everything that they've done so far in terms yes. of their action and like they do they do they can they continuously do he there's one point where someone catches a motorcycle and throws it into like three guys like a motorcycle that was like flying into the air he throws it at three people and then it blows up there's a scene where someone where uh i again cannot remember the characters names uh but where one of them is like drinking water he's like come up out of the river and he's pouring water into his mouth and an arrow flies through the stream of water and mm -hmm. shoots into the British soldier that's about to shoot him. It's just, it's, it's a scene that is so well choreographed in its action sequences. And yes. unlike something like Top Gun Maverick, doesn't uh, uh, shy away from the more brutal uh, fallout of its, of its act. Like you see these people like bleed. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And in a way that uh, I, I think it's a cathartic, act of violence and is whether or not that's a good thing for what the movie is who's to say uh but yeah. it's certainly a violent sequence that stands with stays with you yeah for sure for sure again it's a great pick uh and yes we, we could have picked many scenes from rr i think if we wanted to oh yeah i could have I gone mean, with the, so much the... and violence uh i mean everything you said about you know just less letting it wash over you 
I have been called up for somehow not being able to do that because I, I cannot switch off my critical eye for some reason, um, which is maybe why I, 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 yeah, maybe I enjoy some movies less than others, including like Top Gun and RR, but I can live with that. I still love so many movies that uh, that's fine by me. Um, but let's get to our number ones. Now, this one, I imagine we probably do have the same movie, considering it's a movie we haven't mentioned yet. And it's and a it's movie that it would, be, one. it would be wild if neither of us had this on our lists. Yes, definitely. But I'm, um, I'm curious what scene you've picked, because again, I could I have kind of picked think, so well, many. Yeah, but I kind of think there is an obvious one. Yeah, we'll talk around it. I, I want to, I think we could just go on and not mention the title because it's so obvious. If you listen to this episode and you think of sex and violence and this year's movie, Oscar nominated movies, you have to think of this movie. It is all quite on the Western front, obviously. Yeah. And because it's a German movie, uh, and because I'm German, it's uh, it's called Invest Nichts Neues. I cannot say it, not say it. It's a German movie after all. And it's it's uh, kind of fascinating that a German movie was able to get so many nominations for the first time in, in the entire history of German cinema. So the moment I picked is the moment where our protagonist, again, names, uh, don't don't ask me for them, is is fighting and tries to kill an enemy soldier with a knife. And it just goes on and on and on. And I think, the, to me at least, it's the perfect pick for number one of violence because it does what a movie is supposed to do when it shows violence. It does, in a way, also what a movie about war is supposed to show, that it's not heroic because the enemy soldier just doesn't die. And he stabs him and he's bleeding and then he starts trying to save him. I think this moment is so powerful. You almost don't need the rest of the movie. It says everything about war and violence that you need to do. Uh, and need to show that, that you cannot watch that scene and think, oh yeah, he stabs him or anything. You cannot enjoy this moment. I think that's impossible. And then also people criticize the movie and not like it for, for many different reasons. I don't know. And, and, and I'm definitely not saying this for patriotic reasons. Most definitely not. Um, I, which is, and even if I'm happy that finally a, a German movie is good enough to be <laughs> nominated for an Oscar, not the first one, of course. But this moment really, really stands out to me as a, a moment where violence is shown in a way that deserves, that, that it shows what violence can do, that is unpleasant, uncomfortable, and should be avoided at all costs. Yeah. It uh, it speaks to the power of that moment that we, in this podcast, have had 10 <laughs> different uh, uh, list entries and have overlapped on none of them so far. And this is the first one that we overlap on because this that scene, that specific moment yeah. was also my number one. It, it's just so, for a movie that I was sort of mixed on, like mm -hmm. I, I, I I liked some aspects to it. There were others that I think didn't quite work for me, but that scene is the one that stuck with me the most. That's the one that I have thought about the most since watching yeah. it in, in the way that it does not hold back on that and the way that it, it just like draws out the implications of the violence it it makes that scene uh, uh it it doesn't cut away in a way that a lot of war movies and especially like even this movie does in other sequences it has these very harrowing just like terrible things happen to these people and by the nature of having to tell a story and having to tell a story of a battle where a lot of people are dying all the time a lot of people are getting seriously injured all the time you can't linger on every single one of them that it does linger on this one, that it does linger on on a person, on, on the, the protagonist having to live with his actions yes. uh, in circumstances that he can't get himself out of. They're in this pit that he can't climb out of. Uh, and having to just sit there with like, what's 
more than anything, it's almost awkward that, that he's yes. like, oh, I just, I, I killed you, but it's just taking a while. And he just has to sit there and like really consider the, the implications of yeah. his actions. A- and he has time to regret, but not enough time for that regret to like, of course, have yeah. any meaningful impact other than pouring muddy water into this dying British soldier's mouth that he just spits out all over himself. Like, yeah, it's it's an intense scene that I think does best what the movie is trying to do. Uh, it, it's the best encapsulation of the yes. movie's anti-war stance. I would argue just to be just to be mean again. Um, I, I think this scene alone shows everything that to me at least was was problematic about 1917 where i never felt almost never felt the danger or the the problem of war because it became more and more video gamey to me at least and this moment is so much the opposite of that i mean i don't want to repeat the old you know um uh saying about war movies uh that you know that no, every war movie is a pro-war movie because it's always entertaining in some way I, I, again, I forgot to set that. Is it Truffaut? I'm not sure. One of these guys. I, I don't remember. But that, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, but I think this scene proves him wrong. Even if maybe the movie doesn't for some people, I understand that in a way. But this scene really, you, you kind of go away from this and say, well, you know, but it's still war. It's it's necessary or some, I don't know. what. How are you going to justify showing violence in a war movie? Uh, yeah. Very interesting that we picked the same scene. On the other for hand, that being, especially for that being our only overlap, like that's kind of impressive. Yeah. On the other hand, it's it's kind of the most obvious pick of all the films, you know, considering all the violence that these movies have this year. This I, I cannot imagine that many people will forget this scene once they once they've seen the movie. So um, you know, yeah, I don't find it too surprising. Wow. Okay, we we have our uh, ten movies even 11 movies if we're no well we don't have that many movies because we also have different scenes from same movies i yeah. do want to at least make i have one honorable mention that i want to mention maybe two i could probably come up with a few others especially if we open it up to movies that we've mentioned elsewhere like i, I don't actually i have two, two movies we haven't talked about yet okay um, and i, I want to start with the <laughs> Two two scenes actually of somehow of violence that I, I had somehow forgotten, and I, I want to talk about Tar for a moment. For one, there's the final moment of uh, a Kate Blanchett and attacking the conductor with a with a wild roar, um, yeah, jumping on stage and beating him down and kicking him because it's it's again it's so surprising, uh, and because the movie has been going on for such a long time, it's even more surprising to see because there's so much not said, not done in this film, just implied. And then for her to be go all the way and jumping on stage and doing what she's doing is, is just so great. But the other moment is not explicit violence, but there's the scene early on where she's threatening this little girl on the schoolyard. On top of her doing it in German, which is, again, for a German viewer, very, very, very entertaining, uh, the, the things she says and to understand them. And Kate Blanche's German is pretty good. Um, I, I am Petra's father. Great line. It's... This scene, I really liked it. it. Again, it's not explicit violence, but threatening a kid. Yeah. It's so rare anyway. Kate Blanchett threatening a kid. Kate Blanchett threatening a kid in German. Yeah. I it's 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 one of my favorite moments of this year, in a way, of this Oscar year, even if, if the movie not completely is for me, but but still, that's that's one of my honorable mentions that I just had to talk about when it comes to violence. Both of them actually. Both yeah, scenes. Very 
very good picks. Neither of us have. I, I'm just I looking through. I'm looking through the list. Uh, uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever is an action movie with a lot of fight scenes, but could not really be bothered to to pull a specific one because it it's the Disneyfication, Marvelification of those action sequences. There's no stakes. There's no actual violence in them. There, no. There's it's it's just a bunch of cartoon characters throwing spears at each other and I do feel kind of bad not, not picking sticks. yeah not not picking a scene from the Batman because I know the violence in there is 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 more intense but I I just couldn't I just couldn't remember anything I I thought about again it's more of an implied violence um but uh uh Peter Sarsgaard showing up at the church with the the bomb. And oh, yeah. the, the, the oh, I guess it's a he doesn't show up at the church. I think a car drives into it and yes. he's in it. He and he's had a bomb taped to him or something. But that yeah. is that's true. That's uh, a good that, that would be a good moment. But um, the, the reason I didn't pick that one is because I watched that movie almost a whole year ago and I didn't remember the specifics yeah, of it. Yeah. And I couldn't really speak to it beyond that. So I okay. I mentioned my honorable mention my other one. If you have another one left, then then maybe you can add that at the end. But, yeah. Uh, one honorable mention I do want to uh, talk about for just a moment is um, the uh, the Flying Sailor, um, oh, yeah. this animated short. Because in a way, the Flying Sailor is all about violence, because it's a, about this explosion and the consequences of it, and and, and the the sailor flying through the air because of the explosion. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's a re- really special movie. I think a really special short, uh, but but what it does and how it shows it and how simple it is and still effective i think i think it's yeah. the violence is so central to this to to this short um that i i thought it I, I at least wanted to mention it yeah that's a good pull that that's a good one um looking at just some of these other uh uh stranger at the gate uh, one of the oh, yeah. documentary shorts oh, yes. worthy of talking about in terms of violence but also i don't want to spoil too much of where that one goes i think just because like <laughs> I think people watching that one should go into it knowing as little yes. as possible about the I agree, yeah. out- outcome of some of the, the stuff going on there. What else? There's probably some violence in Babylon, but I don't remember. But like, yeah, there is there's stuff it, I could mention. And we talked about Babylon already. Of course, there's yeah. volcano violence and fire of law, but you know. Um, yes, that, that's more just like nature doing taking its course. Um, yeah. But I mean, yeah. we don't have to... To, to keep searching if we don't uh, if there's nothing oh else. yeah no I'm, I'm just looking to, to see if anything jogs my memory in terms of like things that are are worthy of mentioning i guess technically there is violent stuff going on in uh guillermo del toro's pinocchio yeah but... that's true uh, because you mentioned the animated shorts uh, the animated movies and this one definitely stands out for being i mean maybe not violent but it's it's really dark and i mean if yeah. you just want to read the mpa uh um justification again it's rated pg for dark thematic material violence peril some rude humor and brief smoking i mean compare that to some sexual content um it sounds it sounds worse sounds worse than blonde <laughs> yes oh no that's not true yeah no i i think that's the most of it uh again aside from the handful of movies I have not yet seen that I can't. Really uh, one, speak one thing to, maybe but... I do want to mention that I, I almost forgot now is uh, Argentina 1985, because this has not explicit violence, but people talking about terrible, horrible things being done to them, uh, which is really effective. 
And I mean, this is a movie that's rated R, even though it doesn't show any any nudity, any any violence at all. But the things that I talked about are so dark and disturbing and real um, that I think this would also warrant uh, it, it, to, it at least to be mentioned here. Makes sense. Again, another one I have not yet seen, so I can't add to that conversation, but makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I think I, I've uh, exhausted the length of my uh, contribution to this conversation in terms. Yeah, of again, we we sh we shouldn't start out with saying, "Yeah, we only pick five and then try to talk about every single one of them uh, anyway yeah. and mention every violent moment. I think we did a good job of covering the sex and violence at this year's Oscars. Um, yeah, and I don't know if you listened to it. I, I I wonder if you, you know keep everything we we talked about in mind during during the awards because I I think you know we probably don't see a lot of sex and violence during the award show because that's normally not not mentioned or not shown too much. But I know something like the finger moment in and Banshee of Inisherin is. I mean, they won't show that, but it's possible that it could be referred to. And well, yeah, if nothing else. We will hear uh, My Year of Dicks one more time. So Yes, and potentially even twice. Who's to say? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? M maybe even Jimmy Kimmel will probably make a joke about that, and that'll suck, but whatever. Actually, that is really to be expected. Yeah, if, if you're making bingo cards for your yes. Oscars <laughs> night, you can almost for the free space even, you can have Jimmy Kimmel makes a joke about My Year of Dicks. It's probably going to be... Oh, it would be so terrible, terrible, but also so on brand if somehow he brings my year of dicks into like a Me Too joke. That mm -hmm. would be awful, and I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, but yeah, you can expect there's going to be some sort of uh, host patter about that title. Uh, I also think, I you know, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there for anyone who wants to to prove us wrong or right. I'm also pretty sure he makes one joke about the fingers in Initiative, uh, Banjo's Initiative. Yeah, I, I think it's okay. possible. The, the actual one, though, the actual thing that is going to be, like, the thing that you can put in, in your free space on your bingo card, the one that is guaranteed would be willing to bet all of my... He's going to make a Will Smith slap joke. It's probably going to be with Matt Damon. It's probably going to be a whole staged thing where Matt Damon comes up and slaps him because that's the, the rivalry character. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's going to suck. Uh -huh. Oh, boy. Uh -huh. Be prepared. Be prepared for there to be one more likely a lot of jokes about the slap that jimmy kimmel's gonna make which, oh almost which, not worth you know, watching the ceremony about, we're talking about violence this way right because i think if that happens and you're right it will happen i'm pretty sure i haven't thought about it i didn't want to think about it if that happens what it will do is in a way belittling what happened last year by making jokes about it this much you know, it, yeah. it kind of I think will take away some of the the impact, the shock that that uh, that people felt watching it. And yeah, you're right; it will happen. It will it's happen. It's gonna be It'll so like, annoying. It's gonna be terrible. It's gonna yeah. be awful. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel's not a good Oscar host. He's a bad Oscar host, and he's he's not very funny. I I, I mean, I, I'm not breaking any ground by taking the the stance yeah. of Jimmy Kimmel not funny, but it's yeah. I'm not looking forward to that. You know they made a joke in the the trailer they they showed already about the slap. They like they I'm made the sure trailer they with Kimmel and they make a joke about the slap already. And you know that you know it, it will happen. Yeah. It will happen. Whatever. And we all can't wait to uh, to get upset about it and write about it and discuss it because you know that, that's what we do. That's why we're here. Um, <laughs> yep. So oh, wow. uh, thank you for uh, looking at a lot of sex and violence in a lot of movies. 
Well, um, a lot year. of violence, not so much a lot of sex, as we found yeah. out. But we, we, yes, no, yeah. Uh, thank you for having me on. Thank you. You, you just proposed this, this as a thing, and I wasn't totally sure if I was going to go full completionist this year ahead of time because I, I didn't last year. Uh-huh. Uh, mostly because of Free Guy. Mostly because I. I was Free Guy last year or was that the year? Either way, whenever Free Guy happened, I, I was like, I'm not going to watch all these movies. I refuse yeah. on, on principle. But this year, I'm going to finish the ones that I haven't. I'm going to watch those nine in the next week or so. So I will. You you motivated me to catch up on my movies. So thank you for that at the very least. But also, I had a great time talking about these with you. And on, on my side, you know, I have not I had not planned to watch all the movies because I... I didn't watch a lot of them. I didn't care too much this year. I was so busy with other movies and other stuff. But then I had this idea and now I have watched almost all of them and I can't imagine maybe watching some more of them until the awards happen very soon. I really hope you listen to this episode ahead of the award show. That was the idea. I don't know if that happens and maybe it gets you more excited or less excited. Who knows? Thank you for uh, being uh, a guest one more time. Not the last time for sure and for discussing all these very interesting moments with me. So yeah. again, we'll see you again for sure at some point in the future. Uh, and we will all watch the Oscars. And after the Oscars, there will be another episode about a movie from the 90s. Um, I only have a vague idea what it will be. Um, no, actually, I have a pretty good idea what it will be. Um, a movie with a lot of sex and violence, for sure. So but until then, <laughs> that's it uh, for this special episode. And uh, goodbye. Your mother tells me you're thinking about having sex. Dad, no, I wasn't. I was trying to have a child. Regardless, what makes you think you'd like sex? They like it on TV. True. But that's not reality. Let me ask you something. Have you ever had an orgasm? What? No. No. No, Dad, no.